0: Everyone, welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Hey, everybody! It's Kat, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt.
0: Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you?
1: Exciting episode today. Uh, probably one of the few. I think we did do one other one where we had a guest across the pond.
0: Yeah, yeah. Another drummer as well.
1: It's, um, you know, pretty interesting, I think, that we, we tend to... Uh, have a lot of drummers be our guest
0: yeah this is like the what third or fourth one now
1: yeah i think so you know we've got the beats, i guess um or something <laughs> something
0: but, like that
1: you know this particular drummer is um really fascinating and um you know elo um so he's a drummer for elo um electric-like orchestra for, you know, some people may not um, be familiar with them. But, um, you know, I, I always liked their music. But um, even in preparing for this interview, like, I got to revisit a whole lot of songs that I had forgotten uh, over time.
0: Yeah, yeah, there are certainly uh, a few that I saw that it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that.
1: Yeah. So, um did you have a favorite ELO song?
0: Um hmm. I like I wouldn't say a favorite. I mean there are a couple that were really good, like Turn the Stone and uh you know, they're just yeah. There there's been a few. But I wouldn't say like I had one favorite over another.
1: Well, our um, our poll in the group uh, "Don't Bring Me Down" was the winner for um, favorite yellow song. Yeah,
0: interesting. Do you remember how many votes there were for that one?
1: I don't, but um, it was really close there for a while. My favorite um, is "Sweet Talking Woman," Ah. but um, you know those were kind of neck and neck for a bit. And then don't bring me down to cough. So, um, yeah.
0: Cool. So, So, uh, our our guest was also in Black Sabbath for a time.
1: Yes, and um, so that's two like very different uh, musical styles, um, and uh, two very popular groups. Yeah. You know, he's had a fascinating career.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I think we should uh, probably talk to him and find out more.
1: All right, this is going to be Beb Bevin.
0: All right, here we go.
1: Beb Bevin, I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. It's such an honor to have you as our guest today.
2: That's very kind. Um, Glad to be your guest today, absolutely.
1: Wonderful. So, um, I want there's so many questions I have for you. I feel like, uh, it's like talking to rock and roll history. Um, so I guess the first thing is like drums in general. How did you know that was going to be your instrument? Yeah, that, that,
2: that, that was a nice thing that I was at, uh, when I was. Back in school, in, in my last year of school, when I was like sixteen, and uh, we, we they wanted to form a, a school band, and we, we got a guitarist and a singer and someone else said, oh I'll be the bass player," and I just said, i oh, I'll be the drummer," and I'd never played drums in my life or had any idea, but I went out and actually, I went home and told my mum. My, my dad had died when I was 10 years old, uh, so I never knew him that well. Um, so it was just my mum. Uh, I've got no br- brothers or sisters either. And I told her that I wanted to, to buy a new drum kit, and it was it was a lot of money really. It was, it was £35, which back then was like a lot of money. And my mum immediately said yes, and, and we weren't wealthy but by any means. It, it came as a real shock that she agreed so readily. Um, so I got, I got the drum kit and we started rehearsing in, in the shop where we lived. And it was only when we've, was, we got good enough to start doing shows at our local youth club that my mum told me that my dad used to be a drummer and he had a dance band in, the, in sort of the war years and his name was Charles Thomas Bevan, uh, but he was nicknamed Bev. It was the Bev evan trio, um, and and that's how I got my name as well from that. From that, so it, it, it was a lovely surprise.
1: That's amazing, really. Um, so you had no idea that your dad um, had no. been a successful drummer. Now so
2: to talk, um, I, I remember. I, I found a, a, a pair of bongos in, in, in the attic one day. That might have been a little bit of a clue. But uh, <laughs> I, I you know, there was no drum kit in the house or anything, so I don't know what happened to all that. Um but yeah, that's that that's how it happens for me. And I never I just found it very natural. Um it came easily to, to play. I never had a lesson, uh, just you know, just got made it up as I went along really. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, you know, maybe because your mom said yes so readily, maybe that's because she knew already that you probably yeah yeah well,
2: Yeah. I mean, my mom went, to, you know, uh, she, she, she died a long time ago, but she, um, she was around, you know, in the, the heyday of, uh, of ELO and she saw me play at, at Wembley and places like that. Uh, but I, I but I, you know, I hope my dad is looking down and that he he saw that his son took after him, him as well.
1: Yes, that's what that would be great. And mm-hmm. um, so, um, when you start to, this band, uh, um, how's it? How does it go? I mean, so you this your first time drummer, and is everybody else? Yeah, we, to... yeah,
2: we were just it's just a little school, but I mean. It, you know, this is the early 60s and um, uh, that, there must have been hundreds of bands are doing the same sort of thing, you know, uh, and this is before the Beatles and it was, uh, we basically, I, I just fell in love with American rock, rock and roll music, you know, uh, Elvis and the Everly Brothers and Ray Charles and Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis, um, that was, that. Up till then, music had been really bland. But when I heard American rock and roll records, that's when I decided that's that's what I want what I wanted to do just um, be in a band and play music. And, and that's I'm mean, I'm really privileged. I'm still playing now in my band Quill, and you know I spent my whole life uh, doing what I wanted to do.
1: Wow. So from the, the um, school band, uh, what is your next big break? So where do you go from there?
2: Well, I, was, I, I, I did have a, a job for one year at a departmental store in Birmingham. And, and while I was there, um, I, I attended a night school class as well to do with um, buying and selling stuff. And I, I bumped into a guy, um, uh, Denny Lane. And he'd seen my my band, little band, play, and he liked the way I played. And he said, Let, "Let's form a, let's form a, a band together," and we called it Denny Lane and the Diplomats. And we were really quite successful. In about, uh, we got ourselves um, a recording deal. We never actually ended up making a record, but we got it, and we got very popular, uh, particularly in the in the Midlands where where we lived, uh, and we. We opened for uh, Little Stevie Wonder. We opened for The Rolling Stones. But our biggest sort of day in, in, in our career was opening for The Beatles uh, in 1963 at, when it was Beatlemania. Uh, they just released I Think She Loves You. Uh, and, you know, it just and they were such nice guys. They were so friendly and talking to us. Uh, and it, 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 it just made me feel stronger and stronger that, you know, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, but then Denny Denny left the band the following year and formed the Moody Blues. And then, of course, coincidentally, after opening for the Beatles, he went on to join Wings.
1: Wow. Um, did you have any idea that um, you're, you were going to do so well when you first started with Denny um, Lane and the Diplomats? Did you... Feel like that was good. Gonna...
2: No, no, I didn't. He, he uh, we still keep in touch. Actually, he lives in um, he lives in Florida now, but we keep in touch. And um, but he was like the most ambitious guy I'd ever met, and and I think some of it rub- rubbed off on me. And and the rest of the band went back to doing regular regular jobs, and when the format split up, um, but uh, I, I carried on, and and within a year or so. We formed the Move, uh, which became a very successful band, particularly in uh, in Britain and Europe. Uh, we had 10, 10 big hit singles in in the UK. Um, we never really got to America when we should have done. We should have gone in the in the late sixties, well, about sixty seven. We should have gone, and we ended up going in sixty nine for just one three week tour. Uh, but it but it was a, a and that's when i realized i was in a really good band the mover a very strong band um i think i got and you know, i got better and better playing drums and i was uh, it was great to be in, in such a tight tight group
1: so is after that when elo is that when you join elo or um yeah
2: they 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 crossed over really we, we had a few lineup changes, and the, the final one was when myself and Roy Wood invite, invited Jeff Lynn to be part of the Move, uh, and he agreed. But only, uh, but he, you know, he said from the start that he wasn't really interested in being in the Move. He wanted to form a new band, um, and the Move sort of helped finance this new band, which turned out to be ALO. Uh, in fact, that one. At one stage in nineteen seventy two we actually had um a top twenty hit with the move uh, top ten hit with a move called california man, and at the same time we had um uh, a hit with one overture by e l o so that was a again to be in the charts at the same time with two different bands <laughs> so that, that that's a bit special too
1: Wow. Uh, so where are um, ELO. Who named the band? Where'd you come up with that?
2: Um, it was de- it was Roy Wood who named the band, um, and it, it wasn't ELO. I mean, it was it was quite it was just it was called Electric Light Orchestra, and that's that that was the name of the band. Uh, but it just obviously got shortened to ELO, it was, You know, a lot easier to say that. And and Roy Wood didn't last very long. We only did. We did one British tour, I think we did a tour of Italy. And then Roy left, uh, said it wasn't working out the way he expected, and um, he formed a band called Wizard, which was incredibly successful in in the UK, a couple of number ones. Um, And Jeff Lynne and myself and Richard Tandy, we we basically reformed ALO. we kind of made a point of of, of not doing what, what the, the move had done and ignoring America. We we sort of, if anything, concentrated on America, and um, we, uh, well, we did tour after tour after tour, and and built up a reputation in, in, in the USA. Uh, uh, had our, our first debut album, um, El Dorado was um, a a gold album in America, didn't chart at all in England, and our first big hit single, Can't Get It Out Of My Head, was um, a big hit in the USA, and again, it didn't chart in in the UK, Uh, and we we just sort of went from strength to strength, really, playing bigger and bigger places.
0: What was the, um, uh, how old were you when you first toured the US with ELO?
2: That's a good question <laughs> um, the first tour uh, was in seventy three i think so I would have been
0: uh, nineteen wow, what was that like for you? I mean I know you said you would you would oh, no, no sorry i'm getting my i'm getting my math wrong <laughs> no
2: i would i would have been uh twenty nine okay um, yeah uh and it was it was amazing uh, we uh so we have been to America once before with with uh, the move right. for like three weeks, um, but that same that that was an amazing three weeks because we only we did Detroit with Iggy and the Stooges, we did um, five nights of the Whiskey a Go Go,
0: wow. and
2: people like the Carpenters came to see us, and the Doors, and uh, Joni Mitchell came to see us,
0: wow. and then
2: we did three um, three or four nights at the Fillmore West. Uh, opening for Little Richard and Joe Cocker. Wow. Uh, it, was a, it was a fabulous um, three-weeks that we did back then in 69. But with the move, um, it was just... It, it was magical just seeing that, you know, yeah. having yeah. hits in America and, and starting to see ourselves on American TV, like right. Good Night Special, things like that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, Pretty amazing,
0: yeah. The <laughs> Midnight Special. I remember watching that back in the day. It was
2: a great show. We we uh, we sort of hosted it once once, and I remember Linda Ronstadt being our like special guest. It was just
0: a fabulous show. Wow, that's awesome. And e- ELO had some pretty elaborate stage shows, didn't they? They had like a the whole spaceship thing where it kind of opened up. I I sort of remember something about that.
2: Yeah it that, that was a spectac- that was the best tour we ever did that was the the out of the blue tour yeah um and the the, the stage set was uh, was remarkable it was a it was a time of, of sort of star wars yeah uh and i remember us doing we played anaheim stadium and we had tony curtis introduce the show uh uh-huh. and and had and as he was introducing the band, it got all. It got, they hired all these helicopters, and they were parachuting out like stormtroopers. <laughs> um, and and, uh, and Tony Curtis is you know pretending to shoot them down with his with his machine gun and stuff. That outrageous <laughs> stuff. fantastic,
1: amazing. Hm. So, what did you um, find the fans to be like um, in the US? Say again? Um, the fans uh, that you had. So what was it like? Um, you're 29 and you're touring all these places. And I mean, is it like uh, with Elvis here or, you know, um, are yeah, people we, passing we, out? And, <laughs> you know, like what kind of things are happening there? Well, it was, it
2: was, you know, we we obviously started quite small, opening opening shows for people like Steve Miliband and whatever. Um, but then we obviously got bigger and bigger and so uh, to the point where you know we got people like on the some of the Out of the Blue tour. We we had like Meatloaf on the on on with us. We had Journey, Coroner uh, wow. You know, you know, big, big acts. um, uh, The last big tour we did, '81, we we uh, had hall and Oates on the tour. So, no, it was just, it was hard work. It was a good slog, but the crowd reception was always excellent, and you know, we got to meet loads of great people, a lot of beautiful American girls. Did you?
1: Did you end up marrying one of them, or?
2: Um, no, ever... no, I didn't. know. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, um, I guess it's like hard, really, to imagine. But you opened for the Beatles, um, you know, prior. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, I mean, did you know they were going to be uh, as famous? Oh yeah, as they it was.
2: It, it, oh yeah, I mean they were. That, that, you know, it was Beatlemania. The, um, we had a, a, a sort of an job of opening for them. Um, so, and, and this place, was, it wasn't that big a place, but there's probably a thousand people s- squashed in there. Most of them were girls, and they were screaming. They just wanted the Beatles, really. And they, <laughs> but they, they put up with us for, for a while. Um, and... Um, Actually, they were they were really late in arriving. Because they'd done a double header. They'd been in at a different venue before, and they followed on to the one that, where we were opening for them. And they were very late arriving, and we were only supposed to play about 20 minutes, and we ended up playing about an hour. And normally, we'd, uh, half of our set was playing was the first Beatles album. We played, <laughs> often, loads, and we said so we couldn't we couldn't do any of that stuff, so we ended up showing some pretty unusual stuff. And one of the things we did was um, a version of Take 5, uh, Dave Brubeck yeah. record. Yeah. Um, and the Beatles that arrived by this time, they were like watching us from the side of the stage. And so I did it and there's a drum solo in it and it's in 5-4 time. It's quite tricky. And, and when we'd finished I um, had uh, this great a uh, uh, Paul McCartney come over to me, and I went, "Wow!" You know, and he yeah. said, and I said, "Hey, that was great." Though. I says, "Our drummer could never do that." <laughs> so I, I lived on
0: that for a few years.
1: Yeah. yeah, awesome. yeah. <laughs> wow. So, do you have a favorite ELO song?
2: Um, I, I think uh, the "Out of the Blue" album I is. Is very strong, and Mister um, Blue Sky has become like an anthem. Uh, it was um, it was voted in this country. Um, the, it was the most played song during the uh, the lockdown. You know the yeah the COVID period, uh, and I think because it made people feel good.
1: Well, um, that must make you feel good to know that your music got people through like what a terrible couple of years.
2: Yeah, and in fact, actually, myself and uh, and I'm in a band called Quill now, and uh, who I've been in, in for a few years. And the lead singer is this beautiful lady called Joy, uh, and um, Joy and I got married four weeks ago. Oh, and, wow. and as we left the church, we we as we left the church, uh, we played Mr Blue Sky uh, because it was perfect, and it was
0: a sunny day too. Awesome! Congratulations!
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> wow! So you're in a band together?
2: Yeah, we uh, we um, not long ago we released a new album called "Riding Rainbows," um, which I please take a listen to. Oh, we're very very proud of the album. Uh, it's got some good some good guests on it, um, some nice orchestrations. Um, uh, and uh, if I can ask any of your listeners to uh, check out um, www.quilluk.com, uh, you can hear the album and, and, and see what the band's all about.
1: Definitely. So who writes the songs for? Um, um,
2: you- myself, and, yeah, myself and Joy. And, I, and I've got an a excellent lead guitarist, guy called Lee Evans. Um, and between us, we we wrote all all the tracks on the album.
1: Yeah, awesome. Oh, so when did you start with songwriting? Has that always been something you were interested in?
2: Well, I, I've been in. I've been fortunate to be in um, three major bands with, and they all had incredibly good songwriters. And with a move, it was Roy Wood. Um, with elo obviously it was Jefflin. and I also did a couple of years with Black Sabbath um, and Tony Iommi basically wrote most of the, or co-wrote the songs, uh, uh, did all the guitar riffs, he's an amazing guitar player and he was best man at, at the wedding.
0: Wow, that's awesome. What what uh, version of uh, Black Sabbath were you in? Was that pre or post Ozzy, or...? Uh, I, uh, he, uh, well, it was after Ozzy, um, and
2: I, um, the, 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 I did uh, two American tours and a European tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a very good lineup. I, we had Ian Gillen as a lead singer. This was 1983, okay four. Uh, Ian Gillen from, from Deep Purple, mm-hmm. um, Tony Iommi on, on lead guitar, and Giza Butler on bass. Uh, me on drums, uh, and uh, I really enjoyed my I really enjoyed my time with, with Sabbath because I could play, you know. And you play drums on Black Sabbath, you can. can, yeah. a lot of freedom. You can and you can, and I love playing loud.
0: So
2: uh, <laughs> that's that suited me great.
0: So did I mean uh, you know you've had uh, lots of success over the years. I mean, is that something that you imagined when you were younger, like? you know, or is that like, you know, drumming for Black Sabbath, is that like way beyond anything you ever expected, or? Yeah, I think it was, actually.
2: Um, I think, I think, I, looking back, I think I've, you know, I've, I've had some luck. Uh, you do. You need luck as well as talent. Um, sure. Um, but I, I, I know some, some you know, really good musicians who haven't made it. So right. you do need some luck. Uh, I think I I think I would I think I would have been I think I was good enough that I would have made a living as um, uh, as a drummer, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know I could have ended up as a session man or something like that. But you know I got the I got the breaks at the right time. Um, Performing the move was 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 the main thing really, and I think. you know, that was, there was hundreds and hundreds of musicians around in, this is like 1966. Sure. Uh, good players in the Burma, in the area where I lived. Uh, and the idea was to find the best players and put them together. And, and, and I got the job, but I think it could actually, at the time, it could easily have gone to John Bonham. Wow. I think it was between John Bonham and myself, who wow. got the gig. Um, and John was a good friend of mine too. Uh sadly, can't believe he died like in nineteen eighty. He's ridiculous. Right. Um But but that you know, that, that's that those are the kind of things that happen, you know, that, that breaks in life, you know, you you in the right place at the right time. Yeah.
0: Was there ever a time when you thought like, you know what, I'm done, I'm just gonna go, you know, become a barista or some bartender or something like that? <laughs>
2: No, not really. I um, I, I, all through the the nineties, I went out in a with a band called ALO Part Two, mm-hmm. and we, we did extensive tours uh, of America, and actually went to pl- some fascinating places all over the world that I'd never been before. We we, we, we did the whole of South America, uh, we did the like Russia, places like that, yeah. and it, that that they were good times, but um, it it didn't really work out. We never had any chart success, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it got me through the nineties. And then I did kind of, I didn't really play, uh, for a couple of years, but then I, but then I, I just wanted to play drums again. And, and so I formed the Bevan band, mm-hmm. uh, which still exists as well. Uh, and, and then that, what, you know, then like, really got into touring again and, um, uh, There's a lot of, it's on loads of British tours with with a guy called Jasper Carras, who's a very famous comedian. Uh, And it's a show called Stand Up and Rock. And we've been doing that for years and years and years. And Joy's been in that with me as well. Uh Um, And then Quill came along. And um, we, you know, it was great to get back in the studio and, uh, and make albums again. So, as I said before, you know, I just feel privileged that virtually from leaving school... Uh, to right now, now I'm in my seventies, and I'm still doing what I love.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> um, did you did you cross paths with Eric Clapton at one point? I thought I read something about that.
2: Yeah, um, we in the Move days, we uh, we used to work quite a lot with Cream. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, some sort of double headers and things, and we did um, we did an awesome tour, uh, British tour, fifteen tour tour with jimmy hendrix wow was a fabulous show and it was jimmy hendrix the move um pink floyd uh and about three or four other british bands i think you would have heard of so that was one of the last great package shows to go out that yeah. was back in 68 uh, i think
0: yeah hmm. wow that's awesome
1: so you said you were friends with john bottom um Mm. Um. Did you, do you, did you practice drums together? Um, I mean, how does that work? Because you're two really good drummers. What did you learn from each other?
2: Yeah, we did actually. I, I think I think John is a bit younger than me. I think he learned from me first. Uh okay. But then I, I I started to learn from. He he was an awesome drummer. He was a fabulous drummer. So I used to watch him and. What what he, what he could do with a single bass drum was was a pretty remarkable. Um, it's it just so sad that he, you know, he died so young. You know, right. and I, I'm still I'm am still quite quite good friends with, with Robert Plant, who um, uh, was it was John's best pal, and, and John, Robert's never really got over losing John Bonham. You know, he they were such great yeah. mates.
1: So um, who are the your your three favorite drummers like if you had to choose three who have... um uh,
2: well I I I'd put John Bonham in there for sure yeah yeah my uh, best and 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 a guy that really influenced me and I did, I don't even know his name at the time uh, would be Hal Blaine who played uh, like with the Everly brothers and um he did most of the phil Spector uh recordings. Yeah. and i i was very i was really influenced by phil Spector recordings because if you, when you listen back to them uh, the drums and the percussion uh are so big in the mix um, so i i, I totally, totally love them mhm
0: um, and uh, you can say Bev bab- I, <laughs> <laughs> I could just, yeah. I, I, I can't say that. <laughs> um,
2: a, a guy called uh, Cozy Powell was a great drummer. Oh, yeah, for he, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And he, he, again, he, he suddenly died in a car crash many years ago now. Yeah. So, um, you know yeah, I'm glad to say that I, I'm still around.
0: <laughs> you know, I was I was just thinking, you're like the third drummer that we've interviewed on on our our podcast. Um, yeah, we talked to uh, Frank Mocha from he's with Erika Badu, and uh, yeah, he's a drummer for her. And then we just talked to Artemis Pyle, who he was with Skinnerd, um, back in the day. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Pretty interesting. And now you. <laughs>
1: We love Good. drummers. So, uh... <laughs> well, that
2: yeah, they're the they're the guys that hold the band together, really. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> of course. Um. So, what's next for you? Um. With with your new band, the Quill. Um. Yeah. Where do you see that going, and what's the plans?
2: Yeah. Well, of course, you know, you know, this wretched COVID thing is. You know, I was in luck, the music industry for six, and you know, we went we went 18 months without setting foot on stage, which is unheard of. I've, you know, I, I never experienced anything like that. But now it seems to be getting back a bit more back to normal. So, as I said, not long ago, we got married. So we're taking the rest of this year off. Um, uh, but next year, uh, hoping to well, we will. We'll go and do. Put an, a, a Quill British tour together for next year, um, and I'm, I'm actually I'm concentrating on my website. Can I give them my, my website details and have a look at? It? Okay. It's um, www. So I'm I'm working on that a lot at the moment, and uh, and then we're going to start writing some new songs uh, for another Quill album. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, for 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 next year, maybe.
1: What's it like um, being married to your bandmates and writing together?
2: Well, it was <laughs> it, it, it's something I've never experienced before. Joe and um, you know I, I was married before, and Joe and I met some years ago, uh, and it, it it was difficult. Uh, we went through some difficult times, and a lot of the songs on the Riding Rainbows album uh, are reflected in this. You know, a lot of the the lyrics are about, you know, the hard times we had getting together and then but finally ended up very happily and uh, uh, maybe the next album will be a lot happier than this one.
1: (laughs) Great. Well, I can't wait to, um, to visit the website and hear some of those.
2: Yeah, please do, yeah
1: um was there a song or is there a song that the audience loves but you hate to play (laughs)
2: Um, uh, you
0: you can um, say you can say i don't want to answer that that's (laughs) 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 why don't want to shoot yourself in the foot
2: No, I don't understand myself. And if I name a song, then people go, "Hey, he doesn't like playing." Yeah, yeah. So, but th- <laughs> there are there are, some, there are songs that I enjoy more than others. Yeah, let's say let's say that. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to say "Sweet Talking Woman" is my favorite, so I'm just I'm going to say that. Um, you know, I, I love that okay. song. So, uh, I hope um, that's not. Yeah. your <laughs> your no, right. no,
2: that's fine, and uh, and. If I, I my my no favourite, I mean, Jeff Lynn was a wonderful songwriter, and so was Roy Wood, and so and so is uh, is, is Tony Iommi. Um, so my favourite Roy Wood song would probably be Blackberry Way, which you may not be familiar with. Um, and I my favourite sort of Black Sabbath recording, and one I used to love playing, and we still actually do a version of it with Quill. Is is Heaven and Hell? Oh, love I that love song. that as a Sabbath song. Yeah. And probably my favorite Jeff Lynne song is is maybe Telephone Line. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Is there anyone uh, that, I mean, you've, you've worked with lots and lots of different people. I mean, anyone that you missed working with that you'd really like to or would have liked to?
2: Um, not, no, I, I was very saddened to, to hear of um, the recent passing of Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, who with she's such a lovely girl, um, and it was, it was a pleasure to work with her. Mm-hmm. So I'm really sad that you know that she's no longer with us. Yeah, I worked with Bobby Womack once. Uh, he wasn't so easy to get along with, <laughs> <laughs> but but a, but, a, but still a great talent. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, uh, Paul Weller, uh, I've, I've recorded with Paul Weller, he's a, he's a, he's a fabulous guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'd like to work some more with him. Um, so, yeah, uh, I've been very, very lucky to work with some great people.
0: Any, uh, any bands that you're listening to from, you know, sort of now that you're really impressed with?
2: I, I don't make enough effort to listen to new stuff, I must say. Okay. Uh, um, uh, I I tend to, uh, Joe and I listen to people that we've, we've that we've loved for years and years. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, actually, I do I do some album reviews for a, a Sunday newspaper, so I get sent you know new albums, and and recently I've been sent uh, uh, stuff from people who've been around a while, but they're st- they're still sounding great. There's, there's a new Willie Nelson album, uh-huh. that is terrific. Johnny Fian album, um, the new Bonnie Wright album, mm-hmm. uh, the last Fisher Yearwood album is excellent, uh, Doobie Brothers, so, not, these are people that have been around a while, and they're still sounding great. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: I was just curious about, um, you said the Carpenters came to one of your early shows in a, the U.S. Um, did yeah. you ever, like, hear Karen play the drums?
2: Only on TV. I, they, they, the reason they came to see it was that uh, Herb Albert brought them to the show, and he just signed them to A&M Records, and the move was signed to a Records. Hmm. So that's how. And I knew Graham Nash from when, his days in the Hollies, and he was with Joni Mitchell, and he brought her to the show. Uh, so that's how I got to meet her, and that was lovely. Wow. Someone else who's, who's still around, and... Um, it's been fantastic over the years. Yeah. yeah.
1: Hmm. Have you ever um, been starstruck? Is there anyone that you met that was like your idol or something, and you're like, "Wow, I can't believe I met this person." Uh, that's
2: that's good. Um, yep. Yeah, uh, we did a tour of Australia. Um, uh, once with ALO, and got invited to a, a, a party, uh, and, and Bob Hope was at the party, and that, uh, you know, so to me, Bob Hope was, you know, wow, you know, like, <laughs> don't, you don't bump into many film stars, and he was such a, such a massive star, yeah, I, I was in awe of him, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Huh. Wow, well, I mean, you've had such an incredible um, journey so far, yeah. Um,
2: just, yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I, I, I am grateful for it very, very much. So, um, uh, as I said, you know, I've lost a lot of, a lot of good friends along the way. So, um, I, I, I'm trying to be, we're trying to be positive and 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 hope that all this, the COVID thing, is at an end and that, uh, life gets it more back to normal. And I would, um, it'd be, it'd be lovely to to have. Um, Work, toured in America. Worked in America for so long. Uh, hoping to holiday over there in Florida next year. And who knows? One day maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get Quill over there.
1: Awesome. That would be great. Yeah.
0: All right, Kat. I'm going to give you time for one more question before we let Bob go. Um.
1: Okay. So we we have all um, at the end of our podcast, We've been asking a random question. Um, which you know may or may not have anything to do with your career um, but Matt and I both think of one and then we let the guests choose um, if you would like to answer Matt's question or Kat's question so we'll give you that opportunity who would you like to question from
2: uh, from you
1: okay well uh, so, I'm going to um, ask you, what is the craziest thing you've ever done in the name of love?
2: <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> wow. See, aren't you aren't uh, you, uh, sorry you didn't ask, ask for mine? <laughs> I should have asked you. Said, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh,
2: wow. I, can't, I don't think I can answer that. Um,
0: okay, well, we'll give you the option of answering Kat's other question. Okay.
1: Yes, I, I have several. <laughs> so, um, the one-minute one, Cat. One, <laughs> yeah, so my my next one is, if you could relive any 60 seconds of your life every day for the rest of your life, uh, what 60 seconds would you choose? Well,
2: that, that's pretty easy, actually. It, it happened... Almost exactly four weeks ago, uh, 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 sixty seconds in, in when we were in church, um, uh, being made, and Joe and I being ma- man and wife.
1: Oh, awesome. l- <laughs> fantastic! Love that answer. So, and and uh, you know, supposedly you will live that sixty seconds, you know, every day for the rest of your life. So, yeah, yeah. really awesome story. Um, thank you for sharing that and answering my question. Um, this has been such a fun interview. I, I've learned so much history. It's just, again, uh, it, it's like interviewing music history, and it's such an honor to have you on our show.
2: Well, that's been my pleasure. And um, please send me a, a copy of the podcast. I'd love to hear it.
1: Definitely, uh, we'll get the link to you, Um, we'll get that sent out through email, and uh, I think this airs, let me take a look, and I can tell you what date that we have. Uh, Looks like this will be on November 6th, so... um, We'll get you the link on that night. And, um, yeah, we, I, um, you know, we will definitely follow your website. And uh, I want to listen to your, some of your new music. Good. That'd be great. Please do.
0: All right, Bev. And,
2: uh, and thank you. Thanks for a fun interview.
0: Thank you so much for coming by. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, okay. we look forward to, uh, you know, maybe you'll come back and talk to us again. Sure. All right.
2: Okay. Well, you guys have a good day, and we'll we'll speak again.
0: You too, sir. Great. Right. Take care. Bye. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Bye. bye As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at right, please at outlook dot com. Or you can write to me at backstorysessions at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.